you have to acknowledge it doesn't matter what prayer you prayed, what card you signed, how many aisles you walked, how many verses of just as I am you responded to, you are not a Christian. That's what John says. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hi, I'm Bill Wright. Today we continue Tom's series in 1 John 5, titled, The Nature of Saving Faith. Friend, have you overcome the world? At first, that's perhaps an unusual question. But according to 1 John, such an expression is true of every person who has turned from their sins and trusted in the biblical Jesus and the biblical gospel for salvation. But the amazing reality is also that saving faith in this genuine gospel produces massive implications for your future on this earth and into eternity. And as Tom will show us in today's message, the Apostle John wants Christians to know that true saving faith has both immediate and future benefits, benefits made possible only through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Tom Pennington opens God's Word right now on The Word Unleashed. So what is the biblical means for victory over the world? Look at verse 4 again. In John chapter 5, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The Greek word for victory is Nike. It was common in secular Greek, but this is the only time it appears in the New Testament. The word Nike can refer to the victory itself, or it can refer to the means or the power that wins the victory. I think that's the idea here. So look again at verse 4. Here's what John is saying. This is the means of victory. This is the power that has overcome the world, our faith. You say, how in the world does my faith overcome the world? Well, faith enables us to overcome the world in three ways. First of all, our victory over the world commences in the new birth and our initial faith in the gospel. Notice verse 4 says, has overcome. That refers to an event in the past. And almost certainly it's referring to our conversion. When we first exercise saving faith, at that moment, our faith in Jesus overcame Satan's evil world system. How? Colossians 1.13. At the moment of your conversion, God transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You see, when when a person truly turns to Christ, in that initial faith, he gains victory over the world because he turns his back on all that the world offers for Christ. The moment I trusted in Christ, the moment you trusted in Christ, suddenly the light came on and you begin to see through the lies of the world system around you. You realized it's all a lie. Sin doesn't satisfy it in slaves. My own way doesn't help. It's the way of destruction and death. And on and on, you began to see the reality and the truth. Your initial faith began to overcome the world. Secondly, our victory over the world continues in a continual life of faith. 
marked by love and obedience. Notice in verse 5, he uses the present tense. The one overcoming is literally how it reads in the Greek text. The one overcoming. So not only do we commence that victory when we first believe, but we continue that victory by continuing to believe. It's interesting, in fact, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, Christ describes the one who overcomes this way. He who keeps my deeds until the end. The true believer continues to believe and to obey the word of Christ until the end. Thirdly, our victory over the world culminates in glorification. Because we believe when we first come to Christ, we keep on believing, and that faith eventually ushers us into the very presence of God, and we are transformed. We are delivered from this evil world system, and we are transported into the pure presence of God forever. But let's see if we can drill down on this a little more. How exactly does your faith help you overcome the world? I can't improve on the way the great Puritan commentator Matthew Henry put it. So let me just give you an extended quote from him. This is great. Here's what he says. Faith is the cause of victory, the means, the instrument, the spiritual armor and artillery by which we overcome. For, here's why. Here's how exactly faith helps us have victory over the world. Number one, in and by faith, we cleave to Christ in contempt of and opposition to the world. Faith helps you just keep on hanging on to Christ. And in so doing, you overcome the world. Number two, faith works in and by love to God and Christ and so withdraws us from love of the world. In other words, your faith causes you to love God and to love Christ and that weans your heart from loving the world. Number three, faith sanctifies the heart and purifies it from those lusts by which the world obtains such sway and dominion over our souls. Your faith in God's word causes you to continue to obey in your thought and speech and actions. And as that happens, the control of the lusts of the world are broken in your life and you get victory over the world. Number four, it receives and derives strength from the object that is faith receives and derives strength from the object of faith, the son of God for conquering the frowns and flatteries of the world. Your faith seizes on Christ. And when Christ begins to matter in your life, the world doesn't matter. It matters less and less and less. Number five, it obtains by gospel promise a right to the indwelling spirit of grace that is greater than he who who dwells in the world. Listen, by faith, you received Christ, and with Christ, you got the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit who now dwells within you, as John says, is greater than he who is in the world, Satan. And number six, faith sees an invisible world at hand. That is an invisible world that's coming with which this world is not worthy to be compared and tells the soul it must be continually prepared to enter. Your faith tells you this isn't home. You're just passing through. Your home is in God's presence. Your home is in heaven. Your home is eventually on a new earth forever where righteousness is truly at home. That's where you belong. And your faith tells you that and that rips your grip loose from this world and all that matters here. The world system that Satan has created. So do you see the big picture? 
The key to our victory is our faith in and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not our faith, but our faith in Jesus that is the victory. Why is that? It's because the Lord, our Lord, is the permanent victor over the world. John 16, 33. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. The world that we live in. Both humanity, but the the system that Satan has created. It rejects Jesus and everything connected to him. John 1, 10 and 11, he was in the world. The world was made through him. Speaking now about the created world. And the world did not know him. He came to his own. Those who were his own did not receive him. So the world of humanity, of lost humanity, rejects him. But you and I, because of his grace, we have believed and we continue to believe the truth about who Jesus is and his saving work. And friends, that is the victory that overcomes the world. It's like Paul expresses in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. By the way, that's not something mystical that happens to you after conversion. I have been crucified with Christ is a truth about every Christian. When Christ died on the cross, when you believe, it's as if you died with Christ on the cross to the person you used to be. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We live by faith in the Son of God, and that faith overcomes the world because the one we believe in overcame the world. So faith is the means of our victory. In verse 5, John goes on to explain the recipients of this victory. He says, who is the one who overcomes the world? John goes on to identify the person who has overcome the world and is continuing to overcome the world like this. Notice what he writes. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The one who is continuing to believe that Jesus of Nazareth, the human person who lived 2,000 years ago, was, was born in Bethlehem, was raised in Nazareth, had a ministry for three years across the land of Palestine. You can still go there and visit. He is a person of history. That person, Jesus of Nazareth, is, according to verse 1, the Messiah, and according to verse 5, the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the one promised in the Old Testament who would come and deal with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And he is the Son of God. He is the God-man. Notice this victory does not come because of faith itself. Instead, it comes to the one who has faith in God's incarnate Son, Jesus the Messiah. This is the message of this book. Go back to chapter 2, verse 22. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus, the human Jesus, is the Messiah, the promised one, the Redeemer. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, there it is, not only the Messiah, but the Son of God, does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Go over to chapter 5, verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. 
The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus the Messiah This is the true God and eternal life. No, by the way, verse 21, if you're believing in a different Jesus, it's an idol. Who are the overcomers? Who are the recipients of victory over the world? John's answer is very simple. Every true believer. Every true believer. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins and you put your trust in Him as Savior and Lord, You have overcome the world by your initial act of faith and you are overcoming the world as you continue to believe in Him. But if you haven't believed in Jesus as the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Son of God, then understand that this isn't true of you. You have not overcome the world. In fact, let me just say, if if you've not repented, maybe you came in knowing that. Maybe you say, look, Tom, I'm not a Christian. I know I'm not a Christian. Maybe you came in thinking you were a Christian, but as you look at those first three results, you have to acknowledge, I don't love God. I don't love other believers. I'm not obeying his word as a pattern of life. Then understand this. It doesn't matter what prayer you prayed, what card you signed, how many aisles you walked, how many verses of just as I am you responded to. You are not a Christian. That's what John says. Where there's true saving faith, those results will always be there. So, if that's true of you, if you're not truly a believer, understand this, you love the world. And according to the Scriptures, you are a slave to its lusts. And no matter how hard you try to free yourself from those lusts, you'll never be able to. You're enslaved just like I once was, just like the people around you once were. Like everyone on this planet is, apart from the power of Jesus Christ. You live in darkness in perpetual spiritual darkness. You do not know your creator. You have no hope of knowing your creator on your own. In fact, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this world, meaning Satan, has blinded your mind to truly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you're not in. That's why you've not believed. Because your mind's blinded to that. To that great reality. You say, well, what can I do? Your only hope, and it's a great hope, is to cry out to God. Cry out to God in repentance and faith. Say, God, save me. Rescue me from the person I've become. Rescue me from my slavery to sin, from the guilt of my sin before you that promises future judgment. Lord, save me. Deliver me. You just need to become a beggar before God, throwing yourself on his mercy. That's what you need to do. And the good news is, God is good and always faithful to respond to that. My prayer for you right now, where you sit, is for you to humble yourself and call out with all of your heart to God. The last insight I want us to see is the reward of our victory. The reward of our victory. This isn't in our text. It's actually in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 where I want you to turn with me. 
as we've discovered, an overcomer is not a special elite, special forces kind of Christian. If you're a true believer and you just keep on believing, you are an overcomer and you will inherit all the promises made to those who overcome. And what's amazing to me is in the letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus makes a series of promises to overcomers, to every true believer. The way he expresses the specific promise in each letter is tailored to the believers and circumstances of that church. But if you are a believer, all of these promises are yours. Let me just remind you of them. In the letter to Ephesus, the promise to true believers is in chapter 2, verse 7. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Jesus promises you, believer, that if you have and continue to believe in him, you will one day enjoy the tree of life in God's garden on a new earth. He says, you'll be there. You'll be there. In the letter to Smyrna, the promise to those who overcome is in verse 11 of chapter 2. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. If you're a true believer, Jesus makes a promise to you. You will never be hurt by the second death, by the lake of fire. You will never experience its horrors. In the letter to Pergamum, the promise to those who overcome comes in chapter 2, verse 17. To him I will give some of the hidden manna, that's Christ himself, the bread from heaven. He goes on, and I will give him a white stone. This is a beautiful picture. This comes from a custom in the first century world of awarding a white stone to the winners of athletic events. It was like their ticket into the victory celebration. Christ promises believers, the overcomers, a ticket into his victory celebration in heaven. He goes on in verse 17, and a new name written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. God gives the true believer a new character and a new name which only that believer knows. And it's engraved on that white stone that's given to the victors. In other words, he's going to give you your pass, your admission pass into eternal glory. In the letter to Thyatira, Christ makes two promises to those who overcome. Look at chapter 2, verse 26. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end... To him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father. In other words, believer, Jesus is going to give you authority to rule and reign with him. He goes on, verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. In chapter 22, verse 16, Christ says, he is the morning star. To the true believer who keeps on believing in him, Jesus promises to give himself. In the letter to Sardis, Christ actually makes three promises to those who overcome. Chapter 3, verse 5, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. He's going to give every believer his perfect righteousness and his holiness. He goes on in verse 5, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, Listen, Jesus guarantees you, believer, that 
He will keep your salvation safe and secure forever. Not only will it not be at risk in this lifetime, it won't be at risk ever in eternity. He goes on in verse 5 to say, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. At the judgment, Christ will confess every true believer to be his, to the angels and to the father. Can you imagine what it will be like, Christian, to stand in that great gathering and to have Christ say, he's mine, she's mine. In the letter to Philadelphia, the promise to those who overcome comes in chapter 3, verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. In other words, Christian, God's going to make you a permanent fixture in his presence. Like a pillar in a temple, you're going nowhere. He goes on to say he will write three new names on every believer. Verse 12, I will write the name of my God. That means we belong to him. We share his character. We're his child. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. In other words, Jesus is going to give us a new name that identifies us as permanent citizens of the new Jerusalem, the capital city of the new earth. Christ promises true believers a third name in verse 12, and my new name. We don't know what that name is, but the point is, it's his name and we'll share it. We'll belong to him. And finally, in the letter to Laodicea, the promise to those who overcome is in chapter 3, verse 21. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. We will be continually in his presence. We will be honored by him. We will rule with him for a thousand years in the millennium on this planet renewed and forever on a new earth in which righteousness is at home. Listen, if you've been born of God, you believe in the biblical Jesus and the biblical gospel, and your faith in him makes you an overcomer. Your faith in Jesus and his truth overcomes the world, Satan's evil world system. And therefore, you, Christian, will inherit all the promises Christ makes in Revelation 2 and 3. They're yours. What amazes me about that is not only does he plan to do that, that's overwhelming enough, but that he tells us he's going to do that and that he promises, he makes a covenant promise that he will do these things for everyone who believes in him. Believers, that's our future. Let's pray together. Father, we are overwhelmed by what you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that you have forgiven our sins, that you have adopted us as your children, that you have given us the new birth through which we have a relationship with you. But Father, we thank you that you've given us the gift of faith. And that faith, that faith has results that we can see and and document in our lives. Lord, not perfectly, but we see them if we're truly yours. Thank you, Father, that that we love you, that we love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that we obey your word, and that by your grace and by the work of your spirit, through the faith that you've given to us, the faith in your son, we have overcome the world. You have transferred us out of 
Satan's kingdom, the world system he rules, into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of your beloved son. You've opened our eyes to see the reality. Father, we once loved the world and its lusts, and now we love you. We once loved ourselves, and now we love others. We once obeyed our lusts and sins, enslaved to them, and now we obey your word. Father, truly, the faith you've given us has overcome the world. Help us to continue to believe, to continue to walk in obedience until the day we're in your presence. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part six of his series, The Nature of Saving Faith. Tom will have part seven for you next time. Do join us then. Is your view of the Bible the same as that held by Christ? Tom Pennington, in his book, Jesus' High View of Scripture, takes a close-up look at Christ's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and shows why every true believer will hold and cherish Scripture with the same approach as Jesus did. If you're a follower of Christ, what Jesus believed about Scripture should shape your own faith and practice as well. Purchase your copy of Jesus' High View of Scripture today at thewordunleashed.org. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team. I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Music